0: to another episode of Records Revisited a Podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who you might think he's crazy, but really he just wants to get the good times rolling. Here is my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. How are Or should I say hello again? Hello. <laughs> that would work. Yeah, I almost went with Here's the Misfit Kid, but I didn't think anybody would realize that that was a song from the Cars off of
1: Panorama. Panorama, yeah. Least. The much maligned Panorama.
0: Yeah, least favorite Cars album, but here we go. So uh, we also have a special guest. So he is a repeat revisitor on the podcast. You may remember him. Offender. That that too. So uh, we had we had him on earlier in the year to talk about the police. So please welcome back to the podcast, Ira Elliott from Not a Surf.
2: I am so excited to be here. Thank you, boys. This is great.
0: Absolutely. So you know the drill. So we got to we got to ask the all important question. So what t shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Ira. Oh
2: man, I had I forgot all about that. But I have been wearing. Oh. I I, you know, I have, I've been going through. I have a uh, I have a
0: very crazy
2: large T-shirt collection, as you might guess. Like rock musicians live on their T-shirts, and I have I'm wearing one now. I uh, it's a Woody Guthrie. Uh, it's not a picture of Woody Guthrie, but if you ever saw Woody Guthrie's guitar, he had a sticker on it uh, uh, on the on the front of the guitar, and the sticker said, "This machine kills fascists," uh, and. Uh, and so I have a shirt that says that in that very font, that very oddball font, on my T-shirt. It says, "This machine kills fascists." That's that's my anti-fascist. Nice. That's my anti-fa sentiment of the day.
0: <laughs> there you go. And uh, I'm friends with you on Facebook, so I know all about your political. Ramps. Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. Let's not get into that. I don't want to upset anybody. I'm a, I'm I'm a hardcore lefty, and I don't apologize about it. But this is not a this is not a political podcast. Um,
1: me too, buddy.
0: There you go. All right, Wayne, how about you? What t-shirt are you wearing?
1: Uh, and sometimes I feel bad for wearing this because people think I went to the concert. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, my admin told me she was going to see Elton John's oh. Farewell Yellow Brick Road concert. So I, I handed yeah. her some cash and said, get me a t-shirt. There you are. All right.
0: So uh, I am wearing a, a shirt that I've worn uh, probably multiple times on the, on the podcast. So uh, I just got back. From uh, from watching my youngest play soccer, and I have very few white T-shirts, mm. but one of my white T-shirts is my Clash London Calling T-shirt. So. Yeah, if you're gonna wear a white T-shirt, that's the one to wear. It's a good one. That's that's the one. That's the one. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So um, I asked you back back on because a few weeks ago. Mr. Rick Kasic of the
2: and I, and I just want, I'll stop Ocasich. you right there and say he he pronounced his name O'Kassick, just so you know.
0: Ocasic. Yeah. There you go. Well But it's a but that's a common that's a common mispronunciation,
2: that's obviously you're not alone.
0: Well I I learned I learned that pronunciation from MTV and I've never strayed yeah. from it. So Sure. No. I, I, but we both know who we're talking <laughs> about, so it's totally cool. Absolutely. Should I just say it's Rick? Yeah, let's say Rick. Let's we'll call him Rick. Yeah, we'll we'll just Rick. Rico. Rico. Uh, and and so you have um you have uh, some some history with with Rick uh, dating back to your days, the early days of not. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Rick was really instrumental. I mean, we he was really instrumental in getting not a surf, uh, you know, a record deal, and you know, well, he produced our record. So, so the story is really t- uh, really centered around around Rick. We were lucky to meet him. And, I mean, we're lucky that we live in New York City and he lived in like we've just been proximity. And we ran into him kind of randomly. Well, I, it wasn't me. I, I was sort of a—I had just joined the band myself. I, we were only band—we were only a band together for a few months at the time. And uh, we had played a—we sh- were going to play a show somewhere in midtown, and we did sound check in the late afternoon. And then there was a couple hours before we were going to go on. And Matthew and Daniel went down to a club in New York called the Knitting Factory to see another friend play. And uh, on, I guess on their way out, as I recall the story, they spotted Rick sitting at the bar. And they were carrying, you know, like demo tapes like you do. They were carrying these uh, demos that they had done. They were, uh, the, the drummer before me had, they had made a series of recordings and they were very good. That's the reason I joined the band because I really loved these recordings. The songs were great and the, the, the recordings were very compelling. And, um, so they argued, like, who was going to go back in and give the tape to Rick? And I'm not doing it. Well, you do it. Uh, so I, Matthew went in and, and, and went up to Rick very politely at the bar, as you can imagine, uh, Matthew might. And he pitched him and he said, here you go. And and Rick was very polite and thank you very much. And, and, and they came back to the club, uh, whatever, like an hour later, and like, hey, you never guess what just happened. Because we were, you know, like I said, we were only a bit a band for a couple months at that time. And we'd had a few discussions about, let's say, the first Weezer, Weezer record, I think, was already out at that point. And we were, we were yeah. well into that record, and that's a Rick Cass production. And we would had a few random conversations about, hey, if we got anyone to produce our record, wouldn't it be great if? And, of course, Rick was very high on that <laughs> list. And so it was kind of fortunate. Well, there he is. So they took the opportunity. And Matthew said that he remembered that only maybe weeks or months earlier, he had seen Mitch Easter on the subway. And he had not worked up the nerve to give him a cassette, which he which he always regretted. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so he took this opportunity. And then they came back and told me the story. Like, hey, we just ran into this guy. We ran into Rick Alcassi at the Nisk factory. I'm like, get out. Yeah, oh, yeah. We gave him a tape. Get out. And we all, like, you know, whatever had to be and went on with our lives. And then we kind of forgot about it because we didn't really think anything would come of it. And then about done. I was about two, maybe three weeks went by, and uh, I got a call at home from Daniel, who had gotten a call from Matthew, who had gotten a call from maybe Paulina, uh, and they tracked us down, and they, they, you know, they, they liked it, and they, uh, and they, yeah. So it began. It began this sort of uh, this re- uh, relationship with him, which was uh, was uh, uh, yeah, it was. It happened all very quickly. You know, this was maybe in the middle of the year, let's say June, July, uh, somewhere on there. And we looked around at other labels, but by December. We were uh, December first, I think it was. We were in, in Electric Lady studio, uh, Studios here in New York with Rick and at the helm and uh, making our first record with him. And we had all of two weeks to finish it. <laughs> we, did, we did the basics in uh, three days: Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We did all the we just cut all the tracks, and then that first week was done. You know, some overdubs, guitar, a lot of guitar overdubs, uh, some bass fixes, minimal stuff. And then the second week was all just mixing, and we were done. And Rick was a, a, a really, uh, you know, wow. intimidating, at first very intimidating character. He's Rick Ocasek, you know, he's like, he was like, he seemed like he was six, seven. He was like, he was probably about six, by my height, like six, three, six, four, something like that. But, you know, his whole demeanor was very, you know, black, gaunt, you know, this sort of dark prince character. So, and he was, you know, and he was Rick Ocasek from the car. So at first you're like, uh, uh, your mouth goes dry. And then you realize what a, sort of a, Really sweet, ultimate, like the kindest, most like, you know, encouraging, you know, if he liked you, he really liked you. And uh, so he was full of great wisdom and uh, gave us great advice and lucky to have him produce that record. It was really amazing. And Paulina was super cool, too, believe it or not.
0: (laughs) No, I can believe it. It was an amazing moment. Yeah. I Uh, mean, I... I don't even know how to follow. Yeah, that up. It's, yeah, um,
2: yeah. It's, it was an amazing story, and and uh, and then it went on. For, and then yeah. he asked me sometime during that process. Actually, he, he, he was. I guess he already started thinking about making a, a, one of his solo records. I don't know how I many he had at the time, uh, but he made a solo record about a year or so later. we made a record called "Troubleizing," which I was I played on
0: about four tracks on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I, I got asked to to be on another another podcast. To, Trader to, to chat. I, well, no, it's great. We, we've got a nice <laughs> little community of the of podcasters who we we guest on each other's podcasts, and, and I was asked to, to to go on one because, you know, the 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 day that Rick passed, I posted a nice tribute on 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 my yeah. personal page, and and Eric was like, uh, "I'm going to do this little tribute, pick two songs, and let's 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 chat about it." And I actually picked one of one of the songs. I felt like I needed to pick a a solo song and a car song, and so I, I picked Crashland Consequence, which I don't think you don't you didn't you didn't play on that one, right? At the, I that doesn't
2: yeah I don't think that doesn't ring a bell. I'm pretty sure I did yeah. not I think that was one of those. I think Billy Corgan produced a couple of tracks on that record. And that was some drummer. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was the Pumpkins drummer or whether he was like in like uh you know he might have been in uh drug. Land at the time. I know there was some problems with that. Jim, uh, you know that really famous drummer. Yeah, can't J-
0: Jimmy Chamberlain.
2: Chamberlain. Yeah, I don't know if he was like in or out at the time, but they had some. You know, Corgan had some hotshot drummer come in. Uh, I say that out of jealousy. But...
0: <laughs> yeah, Cor- Corgan's actually all over <laughs> Crashland, so he even provides some some backing vocals on that particular song. Yeah, so, yeah. considering the, the Weezer album was all over the place, yeah. and it was produced by Rick. And the fact that you you all were also produced yeah. by Rick did that have some bearing on y- you getting a little bit of that notoriety and getting some of that press and, and uh, people latching on to uh, popular?
2: And- yeah, that was well. I, that was definitely a part of the story. And uh, and in at the time we went through, I don't. know It was the first really the first couple of years of our career. We kind of had to fight a bit of a. We're not Weezer kind of thing. There was like, there was a right. lot. There was a lot of like, you know, people like to generalize. And the fact that a with same producer, b there was a sort of um, uh, a uh, um, quality. A, a uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, you know, uh, there's a novelty quality about, let's say, the sweater song, which also starts with talking, mm-hmm. as does yep. popular, which starts with sort of just talking. So they both have a kind of novelty quality to yep. them. They're a little left of center, and also there was the simple fact that Matthew. Does not is not physically unlike uh, rivers. Like they sort of look like they could be related. They're sort of you know nerdy dudes at the time. Matthew's wearing Matthew wore glasses because he had to read the lyrics to popular off a piece of paper because he hadn't quite learned them yet. So in the video, he plays a right. sort of teacher with the funky glass with the you know horn rim glasses and the you know suit with the patches on the sleeves. There was a sort of a vague similarity between uh, their sort of bookish kind of characters. So it was easy to draw this line between not a and mm-hmm. And, uh, and Weezer, which was fine to some degree because we loved Weezer. We were big Weezer fans, so we didn't mind being paired with them. We just didn't want to be like, oh, Weezer wannabe, that's, that was kind of a little hurtful. So, uh, but, you know, whatever, you got to take what you get. And uh, I think we, we, you know, eventually moved beyond that. But it, it did haunt us for a while. And it's funny how, like, their second record and our second record both were kind of, like, buried but really beloved by their fans. We had that same thing. Our sophomore effort was very similar in that regard. I always feel there's been points in our career where I'm like, man, we're just we're just following. There was a point not too long ago where a friend of mine was in like Philly, and he he saw there was some cover bands playing. He said, "Oh, there's a not a surf cover band playing." I'm like, "What?" He sent me the thing, and like they were like, "Dude, how they would call something off our first record?" I can't remember, uh, but uh, this is clearly a not a surf cover band. I'm looking at the thing, and they were actually opening for a Weezer cover band. I'm like, ah, we can't win, see. So uh, yeah, it, it, followed, it followed us around, but there's worse, there's worse things, and I think we've I think I think we've gone wow. beyond it at this point. <laughs> I can say with with, with little uh, little fear of contradiction. Oh yeah, I think we've got I think we got over it.
0: Yeah, I think you guys have both taken different different paths. One of the big things, and and we started asking yeah. the, the the Toto's Africa question <laughs> after we had you on the, the first yeah. time. So now we're asking all of our. All of our guests. Oh, sure. Oh, I'd love to weigh in on their this opinion one. of Toto's Africa. So, okay, sure, sure. Oh, oh, we will. We'll ask you in just a moment. But, but I, but I feel like Weezer kind of got a yeah. little second breath um, from that that goofiness, and I, I think that there's they're now cool again for like teenagers, because I felt like for the while Weezer wasn't all that cool.
2: Yeah. I think people are, wasn't there wasn't their Saturday night live sketch where like people at, you know, friends at a dinner table oh, yeah. and they break out into an argument about <laughs> what's the, what's the best Weezer record. Are you crazy? Uh, yeah, I think there's, you know, that's what this sort of longevity and this sort of cultural, you know, when everyone knows you, you're also going to get haters like, Oh, you know, this one's not as good as that. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny to watch that, that arc of a career. Like you can't plan that kind of stuff. It just happens. or doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. All right, so uh, before we really jump into uh, to the whole Rick conversation and, and looking at the cars, so let's go back sure. to the whole not a surf thing. So you guys have a new record coming out soon, yes, soonish, yeah, uh, and you- soonish. It should be January, Excellent. I think. it Should be around January. Um, and I saw that you just got back from doing some dates over in Europe. We we're in Spain. There
2: from Spain, but we can Spain. It's about all. It's about all you can take. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what, were you were you were you testing out some of the new, rec- new records? We have
2: not. We have not gotten that at that point yet. We're a little. We're in the mixing process now, and we haven't really had time. And these, we have to really sit down. We have, yeah, we'd have to figure out what once it's all done, and then we'll have to figure out like how are we going to do it live because we threw a lot of stuff on this one. We don't. We used to worry about like how are we going to do stuff. You know, live. And now we don't really think about that. We just do it. And then we worry about that on the back end. So, yeah, we're going to have to get together at some point once it's all finished to figure out what do we want to focus on? What are the quote unquote singles? And we'll have sort of work on whatever. I mean, let's say there's 11 songs on the record, I think. You know, we'll have to play. I mean, we'll have to. We'll end up playing whatever, like a half a dozen of them, let's say, roundabout, uh, to try to feature them in the new shows. and yeah, this is a you know for, like this is a problem I, I can't imagine like you know I'm, I'm in a band now that has eight records and we have to figure out like how to work all this material into and, and not do play a Springsteen show, you know we could you know do like you know an you know, hour article shows about you know between an hour and a half and two hours, you know and that's about you know that's about the right time for an audience to sit and pay attention to you. You right. Don't go too much beyond that. So I have to figure out how to work these songs. And no, we don't know any of them yet. I mean, we could probably fake our way through a couple. but
0: no. <laughs> And uh, you guys recorded. Uh, at a pretty historic.
2: Place. Well, actually, it ties to this record because the, uh, the, the we we yeah. played a, 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 we recorded at a studio called uh, Rockfield, and Rockfield is in, in uh, is in a town called Rockfield, Wales, which is uh, about a four hour drive west of London, right on the right on the border uh, when you get into Wales. It's a beautiful green, rolling hill, sheep kind of really beautiful place. And it was an old farmhouse that converted. It was the first residential studio where the artists would come and like live there while they made a record that really hadn't existed before the studio. Uh, a lot of famous recordings made there. You can go and look. I I, I I made the mistake of like going and looking at all the bands that had made records there and sort of made me queasy. Because uh, Dave Edmonds had his first single out of there. A lot of bands I love. A lot of cool 70s bands. A lot of British bands that very few Americans know. Uh, but you know, a lot of really huge bands. And the biggest one, of course, being uh, Queen, maybe Amy Rhapsody there. And uh, if that's not intimidating, I don't know what is. But we set up in this room and, and it came out like the it was a beautiful, uh, I can see why. The, uh, the the sound in there was really magic. And it sounded really big. It sounded like giant. And I think that when you giant. That sort of when you think about that sort of Queen sound uh, and the production on that, the early Queen records were produced by this guy Roy Thomas Baker, who also we will get to the point that he he made uh, he produced the first four Cars records too. So this is a big epic, thunderous kind of sound. Um, and, and having recorded in that sort of rock, I can kind of understand like how a little how how they did that.
0: Yeah, you you've watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, correct? I
2: can't say that I've gotten all the way through it. No, no, I'm one of those people. I'm too uh, Rock biopics, really. Uh, I'm I'm a hard sell, and uh, I, if it's something you know, if uh, I, you know, I know, they take if they take license with it, I'm not happy with it. I know it's their story, and they can do what they want, but uh, I I, I didn't, you know I saw the stuff that was like you know first first tour of America, and in the background is playing some you know, stuff, stuff like that. That's not you know that's not. A, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to get the story of a band and those complex personalities into a two-hour movie. I'd rather just watch live yeah. Queen videos if I'm going to watch that
0: anything. Yeah, they yeah. they definitely took some license. No, know, knowing knowing their history but you know th- it's their story they can they can modify it yeah they, you know,
2: they're entitled uh, but i don't necessarily like like i said i'm not right. I wasn't really but it.
0: there is there is a number of scenes of them being at rockfield
2: in that studio absolutely and they didn't yeah. use rockfield but they used they found a place that looked very remarkably like it
0: ah uh, okay um all right so just a couple other not a surf questions and then we'll jump into the record. So um I do have to oh. thank you for one thing um because uh you were the first of the referrals that we started asking. So we we uh, we followed up with your referral of Doug Giller. Oh, too bad about and, that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He's great. Isn't he great? That was Isn't great. he great? He's he's yeah, great. He's one of them. And and <laughs> and so we had a, a nice little referral trail that that started with you. Yeah, we've also had uh, John oh, nice. Kovac on, and and uh, Eric Davidson. Oh, do, I, don't about, uh, I don't know. Was I just, don't,
2: do I, oh, I'm sorry. I must admit that I, I don't. That doesn't ring a bell. I shouldn't know who that new is. New
0: Bomb Turks. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, um, and then he he referred us over to Mighty Joe Vincent, who was in the Pristines and the Devil. Wow, Kings. and so we. have We've got him coming on in a couple of weeks. So and has
2: Matthew talked to you yet?
0: I know Matthew's in, Matthew's into it. Well, we've been real busy. You got to give him a break. He's been, he's I'm- been really focused, but he, but he
2: will do it. I promise you he will. He will. He'll eventually get around to it. I swear.
0: All right. Well, we, 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 we need to, we need to make that right. I'll, I'll, I'll I think- him right now. He's a little, he's got his hands full. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not. I'm. That's why I'm not. Bu- uh, that's yeah. why I'm not bugging you about it because I'm like, eh, I'd, I'd rather th- have yeah. the not a surf <laughs> record out <laughs> as opposed to me having him on the podcast. So, yeah. Um, but I am mad at you oh. for one, for one thing, okay. because I did look at the schedule for not a surf's tour oh, dates, uh, in January and there's no Florida. There are dates. no Florida
2: dates. Believe me. I, I, yeah, I, it, it, it is, it is not my fault. Uh, it, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Florida is, Florida is tough. I, I say this all the time. Like I'm not a booking agent. I don't get involved in that stuff. Obviously it's, it's not my fault, but Florida is tough, man, because Florida is large. And uh, to get from the nearest city up north of us, which might be out of Nashville, or somewhere yeah. maybe Birmingham, you know, if you're playing a big music city in like Alabama, the next biggest one down I don't know, you have to drive to Jacksonville or it's a long, long drive to or it's like a whole day's drive to get to the big to a city. and then, and you have to get out to another city to go. Back. Well, you, like, you guys know, aren't even coming, coming a... to
0: Atlanta, for instance. Uh, like, oh no! I, well, yeah, I, I can make that drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we
2: do. That's you know, yeah. Unfortunately, like, it's a big country, and it's hard to sort of hit all the spots. Atlanta is a very typical spot for us. We, I know, you know Atlanta is not a weird place for us to play. Um, but I think uh, that's that's going to be you know the first of at least you know there'll be at least another and possibly even the third, depending on how the record does. I think. Will definitely be a second run that that'll hit a lot of cities that are. Not, I mean, I don't think Chicago's okay. on that on that run either. I think we, we start on the upper West Coast, like Vancouver, and come down in a big horseshoe shape, like through down through Texas down, you know, down the West Coast through Texas and up the East Coast up into like New York, Boston. So I think the whole middle and the and the, and the center North get completely. Uh, there's nothing on this tour in there. I don't believe anyway.
0: Yeah. all in time. And last episode that you were on with us, you wore the Bambi Kino shirt. And, uh, Babby Kino got together for a couple of shows this summer and you posted on Facebook about a little special guest that you had join you for a few songs.
2: Oh, so we, you know, we don't do, we don't do many shows, but this one we did at a private club in, uh, in Midtown Manhattan, uh, like an artist club. We had some friends there and we played there before. And this, you know, you never know, like we keep talking about, oh yeah, you know, Paul McCartney is a member of this club. We're going to invite him to the show. We're like, yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney's going to come and see a people's cover band. Right that's gonna happen but you know we have like dave johansson showed up once and he did a number you know something you never know um which was pretty thrilling and uh this time we were about to go on stage and someone walks into the room and goes, oh by the way bill murray is here and we're like yeah right bill murray is here yeah he walked in and said where's the hamburg band and sure as shooting like we got on stage and there's frumpy bill murray like having the time of his life he went nuts he had a he he cut a rug my friend it was outrageous and he kept me now he's like He's exactly what you would have expected. Like, you know, literally, like, there's women sitting against the, on a chair against the wall. He would just go and, like, come on, and grab it by the hand and, like, come on, dance with me, twisting the right away. He had, a, he had a scream. He's a party animal. There's no doubt about it.
0: And, and it was crazy. That's awesome. And he did he sing a couple songs with he you? Guys? Did, nah, he
2: did. No, he did. We were thinking about maybe we should offer him a song, but we just kind of did what we did. And then as the night, drew, as the night went on, I, I caught a little video of him because it was a, sort of a jam bam thing that happened after that. And so uh, he was sort of playing tambourine off to the side of the stage. And, and he looked over at me at one point, at, you know, between songs. And he goes, do you know Gloria? I'm like, do we know Gloria? Give me a break. That's, you know, for a drummer, that's nothing. So I tried to call Gloria to the rest of the band. Let's play Gloria, which is a three-chord wonder. It's like A-D-E. It's really simple. And, uh, someone, you know, it was kind of a, uh, like a melee on stage. A lot of musicians all trying to sort of figure out whatever Beatles song they wanted to play. And, uh, uh, and finally, after song went by, I'm like, okay. Mark, play Gloria. Bam, 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 bam. And we sort of punched into it. And he came running from the back of the room across the stage and got up on Mike and did the whole thing. It was a It was, a blast. It was blast.
0: And sometimes technology lets us down. Unfortunately, Ira had some issues with buffering on his internet. So we stopped the conversation and used our backup method of conversing. So, without further ado, we jumped right back into the conversation. You will see a little bit of difference in the audio output, however, the content itself is spot Let's get back to it. So, so Ira. The question yeah. I got I to gotta throw out to you because we started asking this question right after we we had you on previously. Yeah. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song? Oh, well, if I have to pick black or white, I
2: have to say good. It's got. It's not. Per, it's flawed. There's no question about it. But, uh, I grew, you know, I was a child of the seventies. So to me, Toto, that song was just one, uh, it was like, it was like, you know, in the atmosphere. So I liked it and, and I wasn't critical about it. And I think later as I listened to it thousands of times, I think, uh, I became a little more critical of it. And of course there was a lot of, you know, uh, there was a lot of internet takedowns to like, you know, dissections of why the song is so ridiculous or meaningless. And it doesn't have a lot in terms of, uh, meaning. It doesn't have any depth, let's say, but I don't, Yeah, but I don't hold that against the song. I think the song has two great things in its, uh, to its advantage. One is the fantastic feel, and that's Jeff Porcaro, hard at work. And, um, and that, and the, and the harmony arrangement, the vocal harmony arrangement, that's just golden. It's like, you know, it's like the vocals on like, you know, Peg, you know, by Steely Dan. This is like wall of like, you know, beautiful vocals in the background. You know, it's undeniable. It's a, it's a really strong hook. You know, is it, is it a great song? Uh, no, I don't think it's a great song, but it's certainly a catchy song and that's it's, you know, that's why it's golden. That's you know, that's why it's, that's why it's paying, you know, that's why it's paying the bills over at uh at uh, Steve Lukather's house.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And and uh you were telling me that uh your your favorite cover of it isn't Weezer's. Yeah.
2: First I was I was unsure when I heard that. I'm like, "Mm, it sounds a little stiff. I think I saw them do it on tv they were like live on tv doing it and they because the song is so it's not easy to do that song it's very precise you can't sort of rock your way through it it's got to be done very particularly all the singing so i when i saw them do it live on tv i thought they seemed a little mannered and they seemed uncomfortable i wasn't sure like did they do this because they wanted to do it or were they did someone you know what what was this about and then when i heard the cover's record all the way through i was very impressed with that i thought it's really good Um, and I've come to like it, but no, my, my favorite version is those two guys in the pizza place. Yeah. You know, that one. have we talked about that? Yeah. I love that version. Just, it's very simple. And when the two guys do the two part harmony, there's two part harmony, reaching up to the choruses. It sounds like there's four people somehow. It's just really incredible.
0: Yeah, I hope those two guys actually made some money off of that particular video cuz I I wanted them I wanted them to open and put not a surf. I pitched that to, to our management like it would be let's get these two guys
2: like you know, two guitars and set up, get you know, in off. It would be great to have this guys open, it would be so entertaining.
0: That would be awesome. That would be so yeah. th- that would be something that uh, would be a nice little memory for a couple guys who uh, yeah. do do covers at a pizza place, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That would be a great opening act, like just covers. Like you know, I don't need to. We don't need to have some other indie rock band open for us. a cover band. That's entertaining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I invited you to come on this because uh, I figured, with your history of of uh, being around Rick, that uh, we have wanted to do this particular episode for for some time and just hadn't had the right time. And this felt like the right time for us to to finally put out the, the episode talking about the Cars' debut record. So this was released on June 6th of 1978, peaked at number 18 on the Billboard 200 chart in March of 1979. However, the album remained on the album chart for 139 weeks. And so for 1979, even though it only peaked at number 18, it was ranked number four on Billboard's top albums of the year. Just for overall sales, just keep just right. kind of marinate on that a little bit because the, it came yeah. out June of seventy eight, but it was on 1979's top albums of the year,
2: right? Yeah, you know, it was kind of. I guess it was kind of a slow burn, like the songs getting on the radio and people getting into it. It must have been like a wave of like, wow, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly when I bought it myself. Obviously, I bought that record at this at that moment. I was in seventy eight. I was. Fifteen, so I was like ripe for a band again like, you know, as a young drummer, you know, and sort of like a uh, getting into like the new wave stuff. Like this record was right. I think I bought that and whatever the Joe Jackson record, you know, probably all these records right in that period. So uh, incredibly uh, uh, influential on, on me. Yeah. Uh, was this the first record that you bought of the Cars? Oh yeah, no, I bought the first. Yeah, I bought them as they came out. I bought the first two as they came out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I must have, I'm sure I heard it on the radio like everybody else. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And it's got, you know, I, as a drummer, I got to say, you, you, you're hard-pressed to find a, a, a more fun, easy, simple record to uh, to play along with as a drummer. Because none of the drumming is particularly complicated, um, but it sounds really good, and it's very, very specifically uh, performed. It's really solid drum performances, interesting fills, interesting sounds. It's a great drum record all the way through.
0: Yeah. How about you, Wayne? Was this your first record the, of the Cars that you bought?
1: Uh, no, I think I bought record was uh, or
0: stole from your
1: dad or wh- whatever. No, my my parents were not cool <laughs> to listen to the Cars, uh, but I I mean, I'd say I bought the first record I bought was probably Heartbeat City, but the first thing I ever heard from the Cars was Shake It Up. I remember the video. Mm-hmm. I believe they're okay. like driving a convertible down the the road and brick Casas in the back singing. So, "Shake It Up" was the first thing I ever heard from them, because I was only ten in 1969. Not cool enough, right? If I were, yeah, 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 not quite, not quite. This is a record that I was, I was telling Ben uh, uh, last of "Last saw My Song." I listen to this record probably four or five times a year, like all the way through. I'll just, yeah. you know, something, I'll something will remind me of the cars, and yeah. I throw this yeah. in, and yeah. I listen to this all the time. One of my yeah. all-time favorites. It's very, it's very satisfying. because It's not a very long record. It's only got
2: what nine songs on it. Yep. So it's, yeah. it's like 30 under like 36 minutes. It goes by, it's a really great little tasty treat. Like it, every song is really satisfying in its way. It's a, it's a fantastic, one of the great debut albums of all time. I don't, it doesn't have too much competition. It's really fantastic. You know, they, they came like fully formed. Really, really amazing.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, I, I wore out one tape of this. Um, I'm like you, Wayne. I, I think because we're we're the same age that uh, Shake It Up was our introduction to to the cars. After I bought Shake It Up, yeah, I went back and I bought First Record as well, and yeah. I wore that tape out. Like, yeah, me and me and Richard driving around in his Maverick. I mean, we we drove this this tape um, so much so that I had to throw away the first one, and I bought a second one. So, and I there you and go. cleaning out my garage a couple of weeks ago, and uh, sure enough, I I found my old uh, box of box of tapes, and there it is. There was uh, the second Cars record that I that I bought. So, so the last time we had you on, Ira, we talked about the Rolling hmm. Stone Top Five Hundred as well. Uh, yeah, we, we compared where the police stacked up in 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 that. Um, the car's debut, number two hundred eighty four, two eighty four out of five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Right, right up the right up the middle. Yeah. So just that's- ahead of this album is Barry White's "Can't Get Enough," and includes oh, wow. includes that song, and of course that's uh, that also includes "You're the First, the Last, the Everything," and my everything. Yeah, A yeah. classic, a Stone classic. Nothing against Barry, but uh, do you think? Cars records. Yeah. Better than that album. I for, for, for me, yeah,
2: I would get that like I that would I would probably more listen to the Cars than And I love me some Barry White. Get, don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, no, I'd probably edge toward the Cars before listening to them. I mean, I don't know the entire Barry White out that. They're talking about an album I, I guess I right. don't know that album. I know those songs for sure.
0: Yep. All right, let's introduce the band. So of course, we we know Rick he handles the the rhythm guitar, lead vocals on about half of the songs on this album are Rick. Yeah. About half. It's about half.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Roundabout roundabout. The Rick wrote them all, but I think he handed some to Ben. Uh,
0: yeah. And, and Ben is the other lead vocalist. He, he also handles the bass. It is said that anytime that Rick felt like he needed a good singer for one of his songs, Mm -hmm. he let Ben take the, take the reins.
2: Yeah, Ben was a more of a singer, and Rick, being a huge Dylan fan, was a bit more of a talker.
0: Yeah. In, uh, in, the, in, the, in the
2: broadest sense of the word, his style, his style was a little more talky.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Elliot Easton handles the lead guitars, Greg Hawks on keyboard. Um, he does a lot of other stuff, though, because he's on also some percussion, some sax, and then David Robinson, um, not the Admiral, not, not the San Antonio Spur guy. Um, but David Robinson handles the, uh, the drums. The drums, the drums. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And David Robinson, I don't
2: well, we want to get into him right now, but David Robinson is like an MVP kind of dude. You don't realize like the MVP, he, he was in a couple of bands before the car. Uh, uh, I think he was in the modern lovers, um, okay. which is like, uh, he, and he was also in a band called, I think he was in a band called DNZ, which is a fantastic, uh, garage Band, which then I think turned into the Liars, uh, one of Boston's finest, and remains one of Boston's finest garage rock bands. David Robinson is a is an MVP player. He's he's been in a lot of really good bands.
0: Yeah. Um, so the one one thing that uh, came out of my doing this little tribute uh, um, was finding out that that Rick and Ben had played in a band prior to the Cars. And it Absolutely. was, and it was, and it was nothing like the cars. It was more like Very, a, a Crosby, Stills, Nash type of, type of sound.
2: Yeah. Kind of a folky early seventies kind of, it was still water. What was it called? Do you remember? Yeah. Still Water. Yeah. yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. It was, you know, I guess they had met, I think in the mid sixties, they had met, uh, and started playing together. I think probably by 65, 66 about, if I'm not mistaken, at things I've been reading over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So they had a long, long history of those guys.
0: And I think that, that I think having that background actually helped on, on a number of these songs because I felt like the entire band knew how to harmonize. And you know, I'm yeah. a suck, I'm a sucker for the harmonies. So yeah, you, you you give me Rick and Ben's voices together and it's just yeah it, it's great.
2: Um, yeah, there's a particular thing between them. They both have interesting, uh, very specific voices that blend really yes. nicely together, kind of like a, in that sort of Lennon-McCartney kind of way.
0: Absolutely. And they're um, all good. I think there's
2: a lot of harmonies all over that record. There's harmony. I think all those guys sang. The records are very like high production, kind of beatle in a way, with a lot of harmony singing in the back, it really holds them together.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh you already talked about Roy Thomas Baker who handled the production. Yeah. So He I'll looks like-
2: exactly like David St. Hubbins, actually. If he looks exactly like the guy from Spinal Tap. Have <laughs> seen a picture of him? Yeah. He's totally David St. Hubbins all the way down the line.
0: That that's awesome. I'm gonna have to go look at some pictures now. <laughs> no, you know you'll laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, does that, does that tell you everything that you need to know about how much Electra thought of the cars that they would, they would get Roy Thomas Baker to come in and, and produce it? Yeah, th- right. Yeah. This guy was a heavy hitter, and they must, have, they must have known going in, like, these guys
2: have got the juice. They must have heard those songs. And I guess they had demos, mm-hmm. and they must have thought, man, this is just radio-friendly up and down the pike. Like, if we just get a big, fat rock production on this it's like a it's a it's a it's a home run right out of the park and they were dead right uh, you know a, a a great combination of band and producer i'm sure the i'm sure the cars are very happy by that too because they must have understood what they were also falling into with roy thomas baker like how, you know what what a uh ultra professional like experienced dude you know for a band that you know itself was probably pretty new you know but i mean obviously these guys had a lot of you know uh, combined experience over the years together so yeah, that was a great pairing of producer and band, no doubt about it. What story? So they sent they sent Roy Thomas Baker to see them play at a high school gymnasium. That's how that's how he checked them out. They were playing some high school gym in Boston. Uh, I love those. I love those. I would love to be fly on the wall. Those kind of things. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. All right. Um, one last thing about the album overall, before we jump into each of the tracks. So Elliot Easton said this, he said, we used to joke that the first album should just be called the car's greatest hits. We knew that a lot mm-hmm. of great bands fall through the cracks, but we were getting enough feedback from people we we respected to know that we were on the right track. So yeah. fair, fair yeah. enough, because this, this record is solid I can honestly say that there's only one song that I don't like, and we'll 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 chat about that. Um, I
3: bet I know what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think
0: <laughs> I think collectively we uh, we feel the same way. Yeah, I think we that. might. Yeah. 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 All right. So just as a reminder, as we go through track by track, so our scoring is based off a of number of songs on the record. So our top song is going to get nine points based off of uh, that. There's how many how many songs on the record, Wayne? Uh, only nine. only nine, only nine. So here we go. let's uh, let's jump into it. Here's the first track. here is good times roll. And I thought that this might be my top score at one point. Yeah, it's a great song, isn't it? Great way to start out your legacy, right? Because this is first, yeah. first first album, first song. I totally feel like Roy Thomas Baker probably had something to do with the big sound involved in this this particular song. Correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Everything. The guitar sounds. The, the, the I mean, the whole record, you can hear it all through the record, but every sound is really beautifully crafted like all the guitars sound great there's like walls of them and the drums are big and you know attacky and yeah it's, it's just a, it's a it's a beautiful thing and that then the song has to sort of like you know it's not like you know, it doesn't open like fast in your face it's really the whole record really is very moderately paced it's not a lot it's like one fast song on the record everything is kind of moderate mid-tempo and um this song is like kind of really lazy and kind of i always thought of it as kind of decadent it's like, you know, let them brush your rock and roll hair, let the good times roll. It's like this slow mo it's like that Iggy song, like nightclubbing. It's kind of like it's this all this ongoing party, and you sort of dropped in the middle of it. And it's, you know, and they're not in a rush about it. They're like, let the good times roll. It's very, very laid back. The whole vibe of the song is a very decadent and ultra rock and roll.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh so this song was released as the third single from the album in seventy nine. It peaked at number forty-one. What, mm. That 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 just amazes me. The fact that this wasn't like a big hit when it first came out, but if you listen to classic rock stations, this song still gets lots of play.
2: Oh yeah, it, yeah. It sounds great. It sounds it always will sound great on the radio. I feel like the whole record was like engineered for the radio somehow. I don't know how they did it. Well, maybe it's the just the design of the songs themselves. But uh, yeah, everything was like super radio friendly. Do 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 do. Those drum sounds. Oh man.
0: So, Wayne, what do you think about Good Times Roll?
1: I think it's a great way to start their, like you said, their legacy because it, it, a lot of these songs are like straight up, you know, power pop. And then there's these weird new wavy kind of synthesizer based songs. And this one falls right in the middle where it's got everything that, that makes the cars great. Like I say, the, the big layered harmonies, um, Elliot Easton. Uh, a very underrated and underappreciated guitar player uh, but everything yeah. they, they, they kind of they bring it all together and show what they're about yeah you
2: can hear the thing like on the drums I hear this thing where like you hear the natural drums which sound great and then they seem to be augmented with these sort of do 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 this kind of like syndrome kind of thing so you're getting this combination of real drums and sort of synthesizer drums together which gives it that very modern kind of uh, vibe to it
0: yeah all right. Do it. Do we even need to talk about the lyrics because there there's not much to them?
1: Oh, I know it's supposed to be sarcastic uh, as far as uh like what you know rock and roll fun is, but I think also just take it at face value. What that's kind of a great way, kind of a great sentiment to start start your career. I mean, let's let the fun begin. Yeah. Let's let the good times roll.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy the ride. And I, I mean, I as a musician, I always like those lines where they say, you know let the let the photos be old let them say what they want you know it's like any news is good news like yeah you know what they're gonna print the picture they print in the paper is gonna be you from 10 years ago or you know they're gonna get it wrong they're gonna misquote you but don't worry about that stuff it's good like advice for musicians it's really uh it's it's kind of a lot of stuff buried in there you know i think rick was uh rick was deeper than if you really get into it that's the thing about rick like he seemed like you know like he would say stuff and it would it would take a second and register and go, wait a minute. What did he just say? He was a very deep dude. He was very deep, dude. And He could bury little things in there that, that would really sort of that, that resonate with you later.
0: Yeah. Do they have the thunder appeal?
2: <laughs> thunder appeal. Yeah, it got thunder appeal. Yeah, he does use a lot of oddball imagery, but that, that sort of oddball imagery that you can't really, you don't know what he's talking about. That's the stuff that stays with you. Those weird images that sort of, they're just a weird picture images that you can't really deny. The record's yeah. full of them.
0: Yeah,
2: orangey. It's an orangey sky is one
0: of my favorites. We'll get to that one.
1: later. Uh, yeah. A couple of my favorites are in the next song.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does Does not a surf have thunder appeal? I hope so. I don't know
2: quite what it means, but we're hoping to develop some <laughs> thunder appeal. I don't know. What does that mean? Loud volume? What is it? I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I don't Who know. knows? Who
0: knows? All right. Let's rush
1: to rock and roll there.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, man. That, what's what's left of it? That doesn't, Amen. Doesn't doesn't work for me. I have to I have to uh, you know, brush my rock and roll. Shape shave shave your rock and roll head. That's it. That's it. I said, shave your rock and roll head. You just we'll just rewrite it. All right, let's get some scores. Wayne, a six. Ira, I'm giving it a seven. And I'm giving it a six as well. All right. So moving on to next song, which is get my damn notes in front of me here my Uh, best friend's girl my best friend's girl there we go my best friend's girl so album second single this also peaked at number 35 on the hot 100 so again going back to what i was saying of didn't really do much on the charts back in the day but still is still is known and yep. so my 20 year old for instance so this 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 tells you what lasting power this particular song mm-hmm. has my 20 year old helps me with the sound clips and so i gave him the list of sound clips that he needed to do for this episode. And I said, you're going to love this record. Cause a couple weeks ago I had him, I had him do the sound clips for the, the bon Vare episode. And he, after that mm-hmm. was done, he was like, there's some really weird songs on this dad <laughs> <laughs> for, for this one. So I, I tell him, I'm like, you're going to love this. And he, and so he starts listening to the, the album and he goes, I already know this album, dad.
2: Yeah, like who, uh, yeah, I've heard this for years. What is, I know, he he,
0: he knows yeah. my best friend's girl. So as soon as that came on, he's singing along with it. I'm like, oh, I did yeah. something right as a father. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, what do you guys have to say about my best friend's girl?
1: Well, the first thing is uh, it should be my ex best friend's girl because he violated the bro code. But that aside, uh, this has a, this has a great. Uh, like almost like 60s girl group uh, sound to it. Like the, it's got a real vintage guitar and all those harmonies. It's, I, it's like right along the lines of my boyfriend's back kind of a thing where with this great early rock and roll kind of feel to it. And even sure. like, yeah, saying, I, I, yeah, yeah. Like Chet, you know, I could just like I say, it's got a kind of a, almost like a rockabilly tinge to it in there, but uh, just a great sing along, snap your fingers. I mean, it starts out, you know, with that great riff, uh, that single note riff and then the, the hand claps to bring it all to get it yeah. all started. Right.
2: Yeah. To me, the, I like this. To me, like I, I always hear Beatles stuff. To me, the hand claps are all like. Which also like the Beatles use like that's like, oh, yeah, I know you're something. I think you want. like there's a little bit of that in there. And there's like even at the very end of the song, this is at the fade, Rick does a yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, he's calling him out a little bit. And there's a lot of Beatles stuff. The next song has a lot of Beatles stuff in it. But this one is, you know, and that the, the, you hear in this one, the, um, I think Rick referred to it as his clicky guitar. You really hear it very clearly here. That he had a guitar that had a lot of uh, very, a very bright attack to it, which cut right through everything. You, you hear it all through this track. It holds everything together. And then beautiful, like there's a kind of country-ish, like B-Bender, chicken-picking guitar solo. Which they made somehow they made that work. Like a no new wave band would think to put like a kind of a country guitar solo in there. You know, really weird and fan- but a fantastic combination. I always like the line like doesn't know the real surprise. What is the real surprise? I don't see I don't think his best friend's girl is actually a girl, but that's just mine. <laughs>
0: oh there we go. All right. New narrative I think like, on I think this. Or she
1: gave him an S T D. That's that's the other that could be a surprise yeah, too. Yeah. Could be many surprises.
0: Hello, L.A. Okay, sorry. Got, got distracted there a little bit. All right. What about the lyrics of uh, "You've got your nuclear boots and your drip drag glove"?
1: What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, those are great. They just create a this this, this image in your mind. This vibe, I mean, these bright boots and these long like you know elbow length gloves. Lynch. It just
2: yeah drip dry you know the words he's choosing are really interesting and he's get you know it's very hard of what we think of as new wave this sort of you know devo post-atomic uh you know worldview where everything's sort of like you know modern but like sort of there's like a, a sense of like an irony about modernness so drip dry drip dry that's just like a 50s madman thing to say nuclear boots i mean that's like something out of benny and the jets you know, this sort of like glam rock thing. He's throwing a lot of stuff at you and he's very few simple word images and it just creates a fantastic, like, you, you know, you know what these guys are about. These are the the, the, the objects, the the, 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 play, the things they're talking about. You know, sort of set this like how you viewed the cars and what their place was, like what they were, you know, how, ah, it's amazing, you know, what a few words here and there can do. I love that those word come, even though they're, I have no idea what
0: Yeah, I have no idea what that is either we've already talked you've already talked about the beatles you've already talked about uh, is it the chiffon's my boyfriend's back that's the one i exactly, know exactly yeah yeah so yeah, exactly so is, is there a little elvis homage here as well because he's talking about the uh he doesn't say blue suede he says with oh. your suede blue eyes Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. That
2: I love suede blue eyes is also a fantastic. Oh yeah, beautiful, yeah. A compelling word for comedy. You can't get that out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an Elvis thing? Yeah, maybe you're
0: right. He put some Elvis in there. I don't know. Or Chet Perkins. Or that. Yeah. We're in a little chat. Yeah. Yeah. Carl. I can see. I can see. A Carl, 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 Carl Perkins. Carl Perkins. That's what Did I, I meant. I mean. Who's Chet Perkins? Isn't that like the Animal uh, Kingdom guy? I think he's guy? more. I think he's... Uh, I think he's a I think of Chet, Chet, producer. I think of Chet Atkins. Chet Atkins. You're there you he's
2: a go. Guitar player. I'll probably come,
1: yeah. Combine two old uh, '50s guitar players.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Anything else on my best friend's girl?
2: No, I think you hmm. should just we should just hear it.
0: All right. There
1: we go. It <laughs> yeah, should just stop.
0: <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> let's let's get some scores. So I'm giving this a seven, and then uh,
1: Wayne. I also gave it a seven.
0: And then Ira. All you guys are right on
2: the same. You guys are on the same. You know, I, I, for some reason, I'm looking at my list now. And for some reason, I, I rated this the highest one. I'm going to get a, a straight nine. There you go. I love this damn song. Yeah. I think it's like a quintessential car song.
0: You know, and I texted, I texted Wayne uh, yesterday, and I said, you know, my, my top five are interchangeable.
2: Yeah, it's really tough on this record. Everything is really good. There's like two that kind of are, are like, you know, one of these things. Two of these things are not like the other. Right. But everything else is super, super strong yep it's hard to really sort of say which is you know is this better than just what i needed or vice versa it's really you really can't really say
0: yep. but i gave this one a not. cool all right leads us up to just what i needed And this was the first single released by the band, um, and it was released as a single prior to the release of the album uh, that was backed with um, I'm In Touch With Your World, which we'll we'll chat about here in a moment. Uh, Song peaked at number 27 in the U.S., number 17 in the U.K., so again, not super high charting, but uh, definitely a legacy song. And I may Bye. have given this my top score, but since this episode is a tribute of sorts to Rick, I can't give my top score to a song that Benjamin sings. Um, ah. But it's of my top song, though, I think.
1: Yeah, and I'm a Rick Ocasek guy. I think his voice is, uh, like Ira described earlier, it's unique. It doesn't, nobody sounds like Rick Ocasek. It's just, it's a little oh, weird, but it's just super cool, weird. I mean, and this, he just had that. You know that tall figure with the shaggy hair and the you know the yeah. skinny tie and those glasses that looked like they were shielding you from something that right. he didn't. Want he liked to, to see. wear those.
2: He liked to wear those sort of suits that the shoulders were way too big, so it made him look especially like he was kind of swimming. Like you know David Byrne in the giant yeah. suit. He would wear these like in the '50s things with giant padded shoulders. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I. This is my favorite song. I could. I mean, and it just starts out so strong mm-hmm. with those. He's got that single note uh going and then those drum crashes like first it's just one then it's double time and it just has this powerful feel to get started and and it and I I think I don't know if it's just me but it seems like the best bass stuff is always on a song that Benjamin Orr sings because once this the bass is really prominent in this early and it's phenomenal and I and this is a song that I don't, you know, was one of the ones like you had mentioned earlier. Rick Casek couldn't do this song because it has this big, sexy kind of confidence that's that's obviously paper thin based on the lyrics. But only mm-hmm. Benjamin Orr could have done this song. Uh, I mean, he it, Rico it couldn't. it just like I say, it's got that, it's got this sexiness to it that that you can't deny. Yeah. And this right. is where they seamlessly, this is where they shine so brightly, is when Elliot. Easton and Greg Hawks just trade leads uh, between the keyboard and the guitar. And one of them will fall back and play behind the other one. And then next thing you know, like as it goes into the chorus or something, the keyboards will come up and the guitar will fall back and then vice versa. in the the portions of the song and just highlight just they just uh, that when they work like that, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they they you usually have how the band really locks together. Every part is really very well considered. There's nothing kind of loose and spontaneous on this rock record. It's not like a, you know, this record was very, very. Everyone was really all right on the right on the beam.
0: This song is the song that that uh, put them on the map. So this this song yeah. first appeared on some Boston radio stations in the demo form, and. One of the one of the DJs in in Boston started playing this, and apparently the calls just started pouring in. Where it became one of the station's most requested songs, and so with that, they got the deal with Elektra. You throw in Roy Thomas Baker on production, and uh, I think the rest is kind of history. There, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's told
2: a really interesting stuff. Like the the opening that does that you know it the beats on the four and then sort of does that four and then bam bad amp we we are on just what I needed right Or yeah. we spawn best friend girl yeah. okay yeah okay good yeah <laughs> uh, you know, there's that you know it's, it's the four like it starts with this kind of thing that kind of fakes you out when you have just a big one any one big strong beat people's ear tends to hear it as the one bam oh that must be the downbeat and then the down, you realize the downbeat is actually the four. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and, four, and. And then it falls in. It's a fantastic trick right from the very beginning. It really kind of catches you off a little bit off guard. It's uh, really, really smart. Great, great arranging. And again, loaded with Beatles stuff. The whole verse, they lifted right out of, it's the, a the, the, the Beatles song. It's, uh, um, oh yeah, i tell you something. I think you'll
3: understand. Okay. I don't
2: mind you coming here, I'm wasting all my time. It's exactly the same key in the same chord progression: G, D, E minor, B. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's. I want to hold your hand. Uh, recast. It's really interesting. Really interesting. That's
0: that's that's interesting. You brought that up. One of the things that I read on the old uh, Google's was uh, the opening rift. They said it was borrowed from Yummy 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 from the Ohio Express. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I quite mm. believe that. That's just, I think that's just internet speak, but yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to listen to that and see if there's some
2: element in, in that song that, 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 echoes this. They, yeah, you know, yeah, there might be, there might be, I always just heard that chord progression as like clearly like, a, uh, uh, as a lift, right? Like they lifted that, that thing right out. Yeah. It's very, very beatly. Yeah. And, again, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what and that little you, back and that backwards drum beat thing i love that too where he sort of flips the beat you know back and go, go, go back and go. they do the same thing with sort of the, the instead of the drum playing on one two and four something's going one two three four and then flips it back around again just genius we've not a surface done that at least two or three times we try to get that hey can we do that backward drum thing we're always trying to do that it's great that's
0: awesome all right let's let's talk lyrics because uh mm. Cause I thought that this was interesting, just kind of the progression of the lyrics, because most of the choruses are, I guess you're just what I needed. Like, Mm. like he's not really even sure if, if you're the one I need, but then he finishes with, he finishes with the refrain of you're just what I needed. Um, Maybe he's trying to talk himself into it.
1: Yeah, that's what, and like I was saying about that, it comes off, and especially it 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 starts out much more, much stronger and more powerful in the beginning, with that 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 confidence, you know, like, you know, I don't mind you hanging around, Whatever's babe, you know, come around if you want, if you don't, whatever. Yeah. But and yeah. it starts to, it's it's obviously a facade because he he, you know, he's saying, you're actually you're what I need. I mean, I'm I'm acting yeah, like right. I don't care, but I really do right. care. And I guess, it, it, I just guess like it's like said, a.
2: I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah no. I was say to it's like that song "I'm song Not in Love," you where know, he's denying, oh, it, like yeah, saying yeah. it by denying it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it just it shows paper thin, and it starts to work, uh, it starts to fade away as the song goes on. It's just brilliant. I mean, vocally and lyrically, it's just brilliant.
0: Well, luckily, this yeah. song doesn't include the part of "Be Quiet, Big Boys Don't Cry," right?
2: <laughs>
0: oh.
2: That's another great song. Like we could do an we could do an episode on that one. I have a friend who just is an, uh, this is totally uh, an adjunct, but He just received the the Rhodes keyboard that's on that track. He's a huge uh, 10cc fan.
0: Wow. So we've been
2: talking 10cc and and that particular, so what a piece of genius that particular song is all the way from top to bottom. Yeah. But that's another, that's for another day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We'll have you on for a 10cc episode.
2: Please, please. All
0: right. uh, Let's get some scores on this. So Ira. I
2: gave it the next highest one I could give it was an eight yeah like I said, best Prince girl just what I needed they're hard, not interchangeable but they're hard to say which one is better. I gave this one an eight.
1: Yep. and then Wayne. I, I gave this the nine. this is my favorite song.
0: All right and this is my eight. Again, I couldn't I just couldn't give it to the Ben singing song so we'll 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 get to my number one. ask ask me next week and it'll pro- I'll probably change my mind on it so <laughs> all right uh, here we go. I'm in touch with your world. many sound effects used in this song <laughs> whistles yeah. I think I heard the, the glass breaking keyboard noise you know yeah. I can I can, yeah. to, I can totally yeah. tell that uh, yeah. you know uh, Hawks was uh, definitely playing around with all the, the the cool little kitdies yeah. that are that were on his, his computer yeah. Um, yeah. What, what are some of the other things you guys hear besides the whistles and glass breaking
1: and the what is well, the, that ratchet? And then there's video, game, yeah. you know, there's video game blips and like video game explosions at yeah. one point and yeah. then i think yeah i had i know that greg greg hawks plays a sax solo but i it when i looked at this it wasn't referenced that he because i think that saxophone is actually a keyboard at I towards so the too. end
2: yeah it wouldn't surprise me he was a you know i got to meet greg uh greg when we and i did that that uh rick solo record and he yeah he's like a mad genius like uh, you know, a very, very another super sweet, exactly unassuming kind of nerdy round glasses little guy. You know, he's gonna kind of have kind of a Paul Shaper vibe, kind of wringing his hands. Oh yeah, he was super, super nice. Had great stories because I think he'd worked with McCartney. He was like, I think he might have been on like a Flowers in the Dirt or something like that. Oh, he had some good McCartney okay. stories. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, he was like a mad genius. Like he was like this wizard of the keyboard. He could get anything and all the textures. You know that you can't. You forget, like, you know, they're guitar records, really, but the keyboard is so important to the texture, the modern, spacey texture of these records. That's all That's all, Greg, man. What a genius.
0: Yeah. What do you guys think of the lyrics, though? Because I couldn't understand yeah. any of it. I think that he was just throwing oh, in a whole bunch of stuff. Why Why? he kind of a brainstorm? Yeah. Pylacidin <laughs> <Yilocybin> pony? <laughs> the
2: flick yeah. fan fandang- drug. I was thinking drugs. He was high on drugs. Yeah it was high on drugs and this is what happened. So this is, you know, that's what you get.
0: Yeah. It's a sticky contradiction. It's
2: a sex and drugs and rock and <laughs> roll record and sex and drugs. This is the, this is the drugs song. There's sex, there's rock and roll. This is the drugs.
0: Yeah. I, and any surprise that this was the B side to just what I needed? Well, I'm surprised there's a B-side to anything. Why would you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you this know,
2: is, this leave is, it buried. Don't put it on a record.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, uh, leave it as a yeah. B-side and we'll
2: call it good. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's aggress- It's aggressively strange. Like, it's super, yeah, it's new wave in, like, the maybe the, the, not the best sense of the word. Like, it is played on all these sort of new wave, you know, quirky tropes. Um, yeah, I guess they can't all be winners. I guess, you know you yeah, have like, well, we have like seven insanely great songs. What else do we have for this record? Oh, this one's okay. Right. Right. We can, make, we can make it sound like everything else. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very strange song. And, uh, I, I gotta say.
0: Yeah. Wayne, any, any last comments on this before we get some scores? Yeah,
1: the tempo is so, and the, you know, the beat is so monotonous and slow that it, uh, yeah, mm. I couldn't, uh, I it just never fit. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I hated it. Uh, But it just it just didn't fit. It didn't. And it doesn't sound like the others. I feel like Greg Hawks was like, hey, I got these. I can make these really cool sounds on my on my 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 synthesizer. Is there any way you could kind of give me a showcase for all of that? Because I guess they did this live and he was his favorite thing to do live because he got to show all of that. And so it feels like they were throwing a bone to Greg Hawks
2: and a well-deserved one at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not the, this is not their finest hour. This song. Let's put it
0: down. No. Do do I even need to get some scores based off of our talking about? It? I think we're all on. A I think it's unanimous. well understood that we're all. Yeah, I think it's a unanimous. Uh, it's unanimous. Yeah, it's a one, 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 and one. Exactly. One plus one, plus one. Doesn't happen often where we're unanimous with uh, with. with I had a
2: feeling, you know, when I started to score out this record, I was like, you know what? We're all going to be really close on this one because I think it's really obvious what the strong ones and the weak ones are on this record.
0: Yep. All right, let's move on to "Don't You Stop." Somebody help me with the lyrics because I'm wondering wondering, because I I go down these paths of where my inner Beavis comes out and I'm I'm wondering if this is another song that my inner Beavis just goes a little bit crazy and I'm not sure I even want to say, say what it's about without it affecting, you know, our, our episode being PG-13 or not.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, this, like I said, this is, this, this record's like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And this is one of the, we've, we've, the drugs were on the last song. The rock and roll was the first song. Yeah. This one is the sex song. This is yeah. loaded. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to go into like what he's on about, but it's, he's pretty clear about what he, what he's got in mind. This right. is definitely like this. And I like the song. I, I mean, I like the song uh, just because it's the fastest one on the record. This is the most rocking, flat out rocker on the record. The riff, the, the riff is really hot. Bad, 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 bad. that's a great great riff not a great song but a great riff uh i like it just for like it's uh for it's like the drive of it but that's like the, my favorite that's the, the only thing i really like about it. the drums are awesome
0: there you go how about you wayne
2: like what it, yeah don't you stop is clearly like yeah i mean yeah it's, don't you stop it's not like don't stop you know making omelets it's like don't stop doing that
3: thing
1: this is this is really the template for so many bands from the early 80s like the vapors and the flirts a lot of that stuff you you hear out of southern california and and also in, in england but that's funny that i the first band that i thought of when i heard this was the vapors which i don't know if don't you stop if he's solo or if he's with another person i guess i didn't read the lyrics but he does really capture that that sense of teen sexual frenzy is this whole song yeah. is a, is, yeah. is, is uh, you don't have to know what he's saying to just, you can just feel it in the, in the song.
2: Yeah. It's yeah, like, a, yeah, it's like, like an anxiety, like an anxiousness about it.
0: Yeah. He's not turning yeah. Japanese on this one because the lyric of your <laughs> no. long black hair it tickles my skin. So there's somebody yeah. else involved in, in, in this pleasure. Yeah. So it's not, yeah, yeah. not a solo yeah. job, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, it's a, uh,
0: I, I, I like I like the song.
2: I really do. It's a part of it. I, I I just love the riff. I think the riff, and they do that same thing again, where they sort of do this trick where you're not quite sure where the. They sort of put the accents in a in a weird place in the bar, and it kind of throws you off, and then it sort of falls back in on the one. It's really another great. They were really good with that, though. Their, their arrangements were really interesting because it made even songs that were not that great. It made them interesting moment by moment. It kept you know pulling your ear through, even though you know maybe hung on something kind
0: of flimsy. But uh, the, inter- the arrangement is really, really great. All right, um, let's get some scores then, because I think we're going to be all over the place on this one. Um, I'm a, I'll, I'll say I'm. I'll say I'm a four. A four? Okay, Wayne.
1: Yeah. Five. It's a lot more gar- guitar-driven, and and, and Rico Casick is my is is the
0: vocalist I prefer. So it got extra. There you go. There you go. I gave it a two. It wasn't one of my That's favorites, time. but wow. Okay. Still, I still like it. But it just, yeah, I had to compare it with some other songs. So, well, I got to say that that the, the the chorus itself, the don't you, the sort of repetitive, don't you stop, don't you stop, don't you stop, it's a little bit,
2: a little annoying. I got to say, there's something about that seems like it's not a strong hook. It's a well, it's a hook in that it's repetitive, but it's not a good mu- It's good, not a good melodic hook. I wouldn't grade it as a great melodic hook, but it's a great hook. Um, so uh, you know, uh, the song has weaknesses, but I think they were able to sort of hammer it into something. You know, barely listenable. It's not, it's not the great, you know, it's, it deserves a a lower score. No, no, no.
0: It's, it's still better than (laughs) Shoeby Doo off of the next record. So. Well, I might argue with you on that, (laughs) but okay,
2: fine. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm a suicide fan and that Shoeby Doo is like suicide up and down, up and down the
0: pike. So I kind of like it for that. All right. It's not, yeah. I hear I hear what you're saying. All right. Moving on. Here's, you're all I've got tonight. Love this song, so I'm just going to throw that out there. That uh, this would be my my top score, um, and of course because it's a it's a Rick song as well, so I'm giving a little 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 kudos to to Rick as the the, the vocalist. I just love the beginning. This is this is a this is a headphone song. You have to listen to yeah. this song properly in headphones or where there are speakers that are aligned to actually take full advantage of the stereo mixing. I dig this song a lot. What do you guys, guys have to say about your all I've got tonight? Uh,
1: This, this to me is like Rick Ocasek's version of just what I needed where he's not, he's not confident or, or sexy at all. It's very much, you know, you can hit me, you can abuse me, mock me, make fun of me. Uh, and I'll I'll take it because you're you're all I've got and it ha- but but mm. musically just like just what I needed the guitar and the synthesizer are just weaving back and forth the guitar has a little more distortion in this one I feel like than I hear on. It's usually fairly clean, but uh, the way they just go back, the all the layered uh, harmonies and then the, the two the keyboard player and the guitar player just. Just diving out in the front of the spotlight while the other one pangs back and then switching places. And then like I say, it's almost like an alternate version of just what I needed without yeah. that bravado in it. And and do yeah. you say that
0: because of the lyrics themselves?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like you can you can what I think I wrote so abuse me, mock me, uh, hurt me. Yeah. yeah, he's just like he's yeah. making it clear that you can like Benjamin Orr couldn't reduce himself to that. He's got this big presence. Mm-hmm. And this big bassy, you know, traditional rock voice. And then this is a Rick Ocasek could only do song. Yeah,
2: I see it as all, again, like I think the record is shot through with all this very decadent imagery. And this is, uh, again, very, I think it's full of sexual imagery. Uh, and obviously it's like, yeah, you're all got done. It's definitely there's, there's some sexual, uh, you know, frisson, frisson going on there. I think it's it's similar. You know, it's funny. It's a little bit similar to uh, Good Times Roll. It's just sort of the same kind of pulse, a little bit faster, But then there's, you know, again, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I think in the last verse, he says, you can pump me you can bump me now bump me is that's a that's a drug reference right there i'm i'm sure of it but uh yeah uh so it's a very the songs are very sexy uh because they're loaded with sexual imagery that's one of the one of the uh i think one of the great things about this record it's it's a very it's it's kind of erotic you know he's really it's a lot of sexiness on this record it's really and for like a teenage boy like for this rock and roll record to be loaded with all this you know wanting of girls and this you know all that desire you know and unfulfilled or fulfilled, you know, it's really, very powerful when you think about it. It's also got an amazing guitar solo on it.
0: Yes. Yes. Agreed. All right. Should we get some scores? Anything else to add on this one? No. No, no. My notes just say sex, sex, sex. I mean, (laughs) all right. I gave it an eight. All right. And then I, I gave it a five of
2: eight, eight. So I got there. I gave it a five. All right. I really like this song a lot. I wish I, I wish I could also give it an eight, but I, I gave it a ton.
0: Yeah. And like I told you, for sentimental purposes, I gave it a nine. So um, good, man. yeah. All right. next song. what do we got? Bye bye, love. Oh man. The hidden innuendos that he talks of. Uh, Again, yeah, I don't know what, what what's the you know
2: what's the real surprise. Same thing, innuendos. Like he he always talks in mysteries. That's the great thing about Ricky. D. He leaves a lot of things unanswered. Uh, I think it was one of the compelling parts of his songwriting. He you know he doesn't he doesn't spell it out for you. He lets lets you he wants you to guess. Yeah, hidden innuendos waiting to arrive. And this song is loaded with all this beautiful uh, imagery, and and I love uh, Ben's. Uh, the way he he sings this, I think his voice is just like perfect for him. Just really gorgeous. And Does drum fills everywhere. This so song is unbelievable drum fills everywhere in this song.
0: Does he want us to guess or is it substitution mass confusion? Mm. <laughs> it,
1: it seemed when I was reading the lyrics that it, it's it seems specific, like he he had he's talking of somebody specific, but he had almost like when I like when I overanalyze dangerous type, it almost seems in the second verse like he's talking about uh, a musician, like a, a female rock star that oh. he's, you know, cause there's something about a uh, slip in the same electric rock angel roller. I can hear what you're playing. Oh. So oh, interesting. I, I felt like it was specific to somebody and maybe even somebody that he was, uh, cause uh, some of his songs have kind oh. of a, an, an obsession, you know, adoration kind of a, right. a far off girl that he's watching and really into.
2: Yeah. I love all his weird, Word images, they just they stick in your head, I, and yeah, what they mean could be could be anything. I guess uh, only he only he knew, but yeah, and they're so sticky. Like, and this is it's a great you know that, that you know it's a, another great a beautifully constructed song. Great, uh, great hook, man. Bye, bye, love. I don't know, yeah, it's just great, it's just great. I love it.
0: Yeah, the lines that always stuck with me, especially when I was in the whole dating scene. Was always oh, at some other guy. It's just a broken lullaby. Yes, <laughs> so oh, yeah, gorgeous.
2: And I love that, so that that little and that little thing, that little change, whatever that chord change in. I think it's really gorgeous. And the uh, yeah, like I said, it's an orangey sky, like that. That I don't know why orangey sky is such a weird common You don't think about an orange sky though. It happens. Like oh, I don't know. Fantastic. Like that has always stuck with me. Uh, uh, it's one of those things that it's inexplicable, like why that weird combination of words should be so plangent but nah, i love it i love it Thank yeah
1: you. and what a great i mean because I, I that does conjure up sunsets and like i say the the lines after yeah. it's it's, oh, it's
2: yeah. always yeah.
1: another guy and a lullaby yeah all kind of yeah you know night. it's
2: funny i never you know you're absolutely right i never thought of it as a sunset that's clearly what it's talking about i guess but i always thought it something darker like orangey sky i always seemed like that's like the wrong color for the sky. Is absolutely the wrong color. When is the sky orange? It is orange at sunset. You're absolutely right. I have to re I have to reassess the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I always been wrong for 35 years.
0: Yeah, I I never equated the two of those with the orangey sky. I, that's that's usually a sunset, and you're and then you're singing about my, my love. So it's like well, the yeah. sun is setting in yeah, this no,
2: relationship. Setting, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely you're right. You guys are absolutely right. Thank you for clearing it up for me.
1: I appreciate it. See, that's <laughs> why I do that's why I do I these think. things. I find out things I didn't I didn't yeah. know. You stinking genius, Wayne. <laughs> well, this this is all I've got
0: tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh you're so you're so magic. Yeah. All right. Uh Wayne, let's get some scores.
1: Uh I gave it a four. The it's a Ben Orr song, I guess, but uh, it, it's great. This whole album is great, but the, to me, the the chorus is the highlight. I just love I love that part the, okay. uh, of all of it. All right,
2: yeah, I, I, I love Ben. I love Ben Orr's singing voice. I really do. I'm a big fan of his his voice. And I, this is a great song for him. And I, I gave it a six.
0: Okay, and I gave it a three, and I, but I still love the song. All right, moving in stereo. Second to last song. Play song association. When you hear the song, what do you think about? <laughs> uh, Phoebe Cates' breast yep. <laughs> We did. We did an I, episode I, I, on the Fast Times at at, at uh, Richmond High soundtrack. Um, that was uh, with our, our our good friend and, and novelist Jonathan Evison, and that was just a hoot. So, and Phoebe Cates did come yeah. up. Yes, uh, I oh believe, yeah. How could she not? I believe Jonathan talked about the Jurgens um during that song <laughs> judge reinhold in the bathroom that's it not the window that's it what do you guys I love think? it what do you guys think it.
1: of moving in stereo
0: outside it's of Phoebe definitely K.
1: it's definitely i gave it an extra point for that but it's it's <laughs> clearly the darkest song uh you know kind of atmospherically it's you know and like I had said, good times roll is kind of a mixture of that synth and 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 guitar driven, and this is on the other side of that, much more uh, of a of a keyboards based song. Yeah, and it always, yeah. but it's it's got that weird atmospheric feel to it that makes me. And I have never gone uh, taken LSD, but this is always what I think of it would be like being on LSD.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, you know, here you hear that how their production was full of space. You know, there's this giant, big, uh, like, concrete snare drum that's a huge, pounding snare drum, a lot of space in the songs. It's very atmospheric. I always really liked it. And I, and I, and I got to, I played some shows with Rick um, after we, we made that record, uh Rising, And we did, yeah, maybe like six shows together. And one thing I remember very specifically was a moment uh, when we're playing it, we're playing this song. At, uh, it was in a set and we were playing at like Irving Plaza in New York and whatever, we would finished the song before and we segued. So, and, and then, and Greg would just put his hands down on the keyboard and you get that, whoosh, that sort of washy sort of keyboard. That's the beginning. And then, you know, and, and he, so we did that live, like, uh, uh, you know, with no direction, like we start playing that note and you hear like the, the whole room, like, are they, and then Rick hit the, like the, Bam, 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 and the place went nuts, and then we pounded, we pounded into the song. It was just great. It was just like a, one of my most favorite moments playing with Rick was playing this song, and it was just great. So good. I love those kind of stories, Ira. No, man, I was one of the greatest, but like those those kind of moments, are irreplaceable. I'm so lucky to have, to, have, to have had those experiences with him. I, you know, to be able to, you know, stand between like Rick in front of me and, 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 uh, and, and Greg Hawks off to one side. And I was also with like Melissa Altamar from Hole was playing bass and Brian Baker, uh, from Bad Religion was playing guitar. It was a really fun band. Everyone was, we had a great time. They're super nice people. Uh, but yeah, that was some of those moments really. And play, well, I remember we, the last show we did was in Boston and David Robinson, I got to meet David Robinson just for a quick second. But uh, man, that was a, that was a good time.
0: Do we have any idea what the lyrics mean or do we care? Uh, oh, I have no idea. Oh. Really, I, this one,
2: you know, it's like the same except for my shoes. Right.
1: <laughs> I like right. say this one always, it, that couple the atmospheric sound and then coupled with the lyrics, it just made me always think of like a trip. like kind of trip.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very trippy. It is a very trippy song, no doubt, no doubt.
1: I noticed this is the only song that Gre- that anybody else gets a song credit, and I'm assuming it's it, and it's Greg Hawks, and I'm assuming it's for the amount wow. of synthesizer work that's in it. He's he got a writing credit.
0: I gotta think. Oh, that is that so, right? Yeah,
2: that's pretty unusual in in the Cars catalog. Catalog, I believe. It was mostly Rick. Yeah, it was Rick. Pretty much wrote everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's get some scores on moving in stereo. I give this a four Wayne. I gave it a three. And Ira. As did I Wayne. I am with Wayne on this one. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's stand with my friend Wayne. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap this up. Here is all mixed up. What do you guys think of the segue between moving in stereo into all mixed up? Does it work?
1: Yeah. I Yeah. And in fact, I think they released it like that as the B-side to something. Okay. Yeah, right? the, bo- both of them. Together? Were the B- Yeah, were the B-side to something. I don't remember which, which one. Okay. One of the singles. These two rolling right into each other was the B-side. I
0: this is a perfect album closer for me. I, I love just the, the outro that it's just loud. And instead of ending in a whimper, this is loud and proud, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know why
2: my notes, I don't know why I, I, put, I, I mentioned in my notes, I wrote down writers on the storm, which must be a reference to that intro, that sort of
0: mystical. I can see that intro.
2: And I don't know why. I also wrote down Tin Man by by America. There must be some America Tin. I got to go back now, either a lyric or something. it must have reminded me of of uh, of, of uh, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man by America. Why is that in there? What am I? What was I? I wrote that down. <laughs> and I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> is it is it the Big uh,
0: Harmony on that?
2: I don't no? know. I, I you no. know I I wrote it down for reading. Must there must be something in the song. I have to go back now. I know we just listened to it, but. Uh, I don't know why was
0: that day. What's yeah. wrong with me? so who he he describes this this uh, this person a lot of she's always out making pictures making scenes always out the window when it comes to making dreams any idea what any of that means or do we care
1: yeah either his girlfriend's an actress or it's all in his head. <laughs> Like I mean, like he's he's fantasizing a lot of like I say a lot of his lyrics have that have a a fantasy could be a fantasy or reality it's not it's not clear I guess that's one of the brilliant uh, things about it is you're not sure because she's but, but if she is real she's she's uh she's she's giving him the old gaslight treatment she's uh well
2: like, oh, I realize now what it is because the, the the it's the it's the it's the melody that. uh, Da 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 There's a little melody in there. It was exactly like the Tin oh. Man melody. That's why I wouldn't mind it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now That's the, I intentionally or unintentionally. it's sort of it I you know I play word I play music association all the time. It's my, <laughs> my it's one of my drummer it's one of my musician skills. But yeah, that brought up Tin Tin Man by America. It sort of reflected that for some reason. I'm sure. Cool.
0: Completely unintentional. I can see that.
2: But he was in a band called Stillwater, so maybe, you know, America, Stillwater, that could be a little connection. Maybe, yeah.
0: So uh, back to your fantasy theme, um, Wayne. So like how we used to fantasize about Paulina back in our teenage days.
1: (laughs) Uh, I have have several. uh, I I had several Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues back in the day. (laughs) I got to tell you.
2: Here's a, you'll, uh, you'll appreciate this right? When we were making the record in Electric Lady in New York, um, yeah, like I said, we were only there for about two weeks. And during this period, I invited my sister and her husband to come down to the sessions just to hang out, because like, it was an amazing time. And I thought, just come down and hang out. And everyone was very cool. Everyone, anyone could hang out except like record label people um, who were completely not invited. But uh, yeah, I wanted to bring your family. Cool. And they, they were very cool. And Rick was very cool, obviously. Paulina, super cool. And Paulina was so cool that, you know, when she would show up like she was so low key. You know, she would kind of well, she, I don't know she would dress down, but she certainly wasn't dressed up, you know. Uh, and so my, my my sister and her husband come to the sessions and we're in the little, you know, whatever green room like hanging out and you know, eating snacks and drinking Coca-Cola and whatever the afternoon. And then later on, maybe the next maybe later in the day, I talked to my my brother-in-law and he goes, who was that? who's that woman hanging out in the, in the, who was the, in the thing? Who who was that? She was really kind of good looking. I'm like, um, that was, that was Polina. That was Polina Porskova, Ron. What? That was her. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. and and He he could not believe it because she was so low key and she wouldn't like you know, she, when she ended, I mean, she was, listen, she's dropped it beautiful without like, you know, she doesn't put, have to put on anything on her face. I, nothing. Like, she's, you know, like, bone structure and, you know, she's whatever, she's 5'11, you know, and she's a beautiful person, so she radiates a, a kindness. Um, but for, there was a running joke between my brother-in-law and I, but my brother-in-law for years. And like he was like, you know, yeah, she was kind of into me. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, Ron. she was, she was Yeah, she's, yeah, you know, she's all like, all she talks about is like, who was, who was that guy, Ron? See, that's all she said. <laughs> well, it was a running joke between him and I for like, for like 10 years. Yeah, Yeah. she was. She was really into me. (laughs) Paulina Paulina was disarmingly nice. Disarm, you know, disarmingly nice. She was really, and she she wrote and directed a movie. Is another little side story. She wrote about a year or two later. She wrote and directed a film which didn't really go anywhere. But she asked me to be in it. I was a, I was an actor in a in a a movie that she wrote and directed. Was it
0: called Her Alibi? (laughs) Uh, no. no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, that was way no, before that. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that absolutely. that movie was not good. Um, but <laughs> oh, I remember, no. I remember thinking back then that it was. Yeah, um, well, my judgment was clouded, yeah. definitely.
2: It's, yeah, listen, you know. Yeah. Weird science is good because you know because of that because what's her name it you know like Kelly LeBrock. You know, you,
0: LeBrock
2: yeah Kelly LeBrock you know you I'll just watch you know like a really beautiful woman you can just, like, I, just I don't don't say anything just I'll just watch it yeah whatever man yeah. all good Phoebe Cates you know whatever oh. yeah 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 that's all we're, we're easy to get along with you know guys we're easily sold yes. you know, easily sold yes we are. Yeah. Oh, Pauline is a, great, a really great person. I really, I was really. Uh, I saw her recently, actually, I went to see uh, ELO in New York a couple months ago, and I got. I hadn't seen her in years, and she, you know, she looks great. She's beautiful and happy. She had broken up with Rick at the time. They had just uh, separated not too long ago, actually. Um, but she, you know, that, but they were they had they had split very amicably, and she was yeah, you know, she was there with her son, who when I met him when he made the record, he was like like two or three. He was this tiny little kid, and now. Here he is. He's like 20 something years old. He's like, he's taller than me. He's like six, four and looks, he's a dead spitting image of his father. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap right, back this to up. the record. I'm sorry. Yeah, Let's wrap <laughs> this up. I, we could, we could talk about Paulina for like a whole episode. So <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll get it. Okay. Next one. Next one. <laughs> um,
0: Paulina. I, I apparently like this song a lot better than you guys. I, I, like I said, I love this as a as an album closer. I just love how big it is at, towards the end. I love I love songs that kind of have that 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 slow little buildup, and um, I dig it. So I gave this a five. And then your guys' mm-hmm. the scores, Wayne?
1: A two was, uh a lot of it's for the lack of guitar. Elliot Easton's missing. Okay, and then Ira. Yeah,
2: I also I, I also am with Wayne on this one. I gave it a two. Okay.
0: That that's cool.
2: Only because there's so much strong stuff in this record that this one just
0: got edged down. Yeah. Yep. Do no fault of its own. Did did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Uh uh-uh. uh uh-uh. Phoebe Cates, I got her in there. I got uh Pump Me Bump Me. I I got it all in. I got her alibi <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, all right. Any any guesses on our top uh top overall song? Just what I needed. Well, it's
2: good. Yeah. It's good. I mean, I figure you know, it's gotta be that. I mean, yeah. Or best friend's girl. I mean, it's gonna be one of those two.
0: Uh, you just named the first two. So just what I needed. 8.33 overall score. My best friend's girl, 7.66. Number three, you're all I've got tonight. tonight. And number four, any guesses on four? Uh, good times roll. Yep. And then our rounding out our top five. Uh, uh, bye bye love. Bye bye love. bye bye love. That's a solid five, man. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. It's hard to get hard to beat that, right? Oof. And and we're leaving off mm-hmm. we're leaving off moving in stereo and all mixed up. That's called a solid yeah. record. That's called oh, a solid yeah record. Yeah. yeah this. Except for Weisenheimer
2: Brainstorm, there's really not much. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. So um, it's been a pleasure revisiting again with you, Ira. Yeah. Yo, what a what a good, what, what, what good fun this is, man. Thanks. Thanks guys for having me. I love it. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. I love digging into these records. Absolutely. So remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of not a surf or Bambi Kino Well, or- there's,
2: Sure. Well, uh, not a surf is going to drop a new record in like in January, 2020. We'll be on the road. There's the notasurf.com has all the uh, tour dates as they're starting to happen. That uh, band is going to do a couple of shows in Hamburg uh, in the end of March. So I think that we might be there for three or four days doing really? our awesome. Marshall twist und shout. We have a in, uh, in Hamburg uh, for in the uh, end or, and then we go, I go straight back on the road with, not a surf in April, and not a surf is going to be on the on and off the road most of 2020, uh, I believe. But yeah, I'm going to sneak some other stuff in there too. I have some little, I have some irons in the fire. I got a, I got a, just recently got a, a two very good friends of mine playing an Everly Brothers uh, cover band. They're called the Everly Set. I'm hoping to do some shows with them next year as well too. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, onward and upward. Keep rocking.
0: So. so we did- so maybe maybe I shouldn't even ask you this, but is uh And those shows and those shows, those Everly brothers shows will all be mostly
2: be well a lot of those will be in Florida, so you'd be able to see
0: some of <laughs> them. Excellent. I'll be there, man. I'll be there. Yeah. I, I always yeah. say within two and a half hours I will drive for bands that I want to go see. So
2: Yeah, that's reasonable that's reasonable.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um so the question that uh I need to ask is uh is Doug playing with you guys?
2: Um Doug does play on the record. Uh he, he um we had him cut uh, guitar solos here and there. Cool. Whether he will be on the road with us remains to be seen. His schedule, uh, you know, it's a schedule thing. Yeah. Most likely we'll go out as uh, the three of us plus our friend Louis, uh, our keyboard player Louis. Yeah. I think that is a that's a good iteration of the band. It's very simple and and sonically effective so most likely i mean there'll be shows like where maybe we might show, play shows where Doug is available if we play let's say in new york yeah. we'll have him come on because there's a couple of things that we can't really i mean there's a couple of solos on certain songs that matthew can play but they're just more effective when Doug kind of shreds them out so um yeah we'll 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 uh, i think we'll play with him when we can but i think more than likely it will be just the four of us like okay. uh, bass drum's guitar and our friend and keyboards
0: and that's good too well, last time i saw you guys it was just the 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 four of you no, yeah. no Doug.
2: Yeah, I miss Doug. I haven't played with him. I haven't played with him in a while. I I, I miss that guy. He's the greatest and he's a really hilarious funny guy. too. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. I usually I ask the referral question, but uh we've already chatted about your referral trail, so we just need to work on hey. Matthew. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll I'll keep at him. Hey, you okay. guys got to read my new book. Yes. Oh, I, hell saw, yeah. I saw that as well. So pimp, you, that, pimp you, that out. Yeah. As well.
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, um uh, my friend uh, uh Paul Myers. Uh, who's kind of a power, he's written a number of books. He wrote a book about, uh, Todd Rundgren. He's a sort kind of a power pop kind of guy, rock and roll guy. He's great. Oh, it's, you know, it's a Mike Myers brother. Uh, but he's also a singer songwriter, has been for many years. And a guy named, uh, a Steve, uh, oh, I'm going to drop Steve's last name in a second. He was the drummer in, a, in a, an LA band called Czar, who was sort of a big power pop band, uh, in the early 2000s. He contacted me, uh, and he was, they're doing, they were doing a sort of a compendium about power pop where all these different writers sort of sending in their, you know, th- uh, various aspects of power pop, uh, and, uh, it's, you know, uh, uh, various aspects. So he said, uh, would you like to write an art, a thing about just power pop drummers and power pop drumming? I'm like, well, I guess if I, if I can't hold forth on that, what can I do? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 a little article sort of trying to give an overview of the elements and the, You know what power pop drumming is kind of about and i sort of showed some examples through some a handful of drummers um and but the whole book like i i i haven't read it because i'm intimidated guys like uh like uh um uh, because there's some amazing writers like i think i'm like right next to like uh like michael chabon is like in there too and i'm like uh yeah i'm like holy cow so i'm in really i'm in really good company uh for someone who's not like a professional like i'm mostly like a facebook poster i'm not a you know so uh so i've, I've parlayed this into a, a spot in this book so i'm very excited about that it's pre-ordering now and it's what's it called uh, it's it's named after a raspberry song title it's called uh, oh yeah i can't promote the book without knowing the title right uh it is right here and the book is called go all the way That's it. it's edited by paul myers and s.w loudon which is a sort of the pen name of uh, of my friend steve um yeah, it's got all these amazing writers. It's got, uh, uh, um, like I said, uh, I'm in there. Uh, uh, Michael Shaban is in there. Uh, a few friends of mine. Uh, oh, uh, uh, a member of um, Daniel Brummel, who's played with Not A Surf, was a member of the band Osma. Yeah, these people know what they're talking about. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it should be really good. I'm very excited about
0: that. Awesome. I'm, I'm getting ready to go see a power pop guy on Wednesday and Ken Stringfellow. Oh, the great Ken Stringfellow. Yeah. No, we have a I have a long relationship with him as well. Fantastic guy. Yep. All um, right. Um so as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited Podcast. We're on Twitter at Podcast Records. Also on Instagram using the hashtag Records Revisited Podcast. Find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Castbox Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Media. We're now on Google Podcasts as well, and you can find all of our old episodes if you just go to Records Revisited Podcasts as well. On all of those platforms, go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a T-shirt of the band, buy a record, and in January, go buy Not A Surf's new record. Visit a record store, yeah. not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Oh, the timing is everything, you know. Perfect. (laughs) We harmonize so well.